You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 107 where we're discussing Black Panther, Venom, and Deadpool. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. Man, <laughs> Sanjay gone again. <laughs> where is that guy? Always MIA. He is getting his ass kicked by a cold, by the flu at the very moment, so he couldn't make the recording, but he will be missed because we have an absolute mountain of news and trailers to get through today. It's unbelievable. We went, like I said, a few weeks ago from almost nothing to just everything at once. It really feels like we're building up to something big here. Oh, just tons, man. This is just like a geek's dream right now. This week has been just nuts for news content. Yeah, it's been crazy on the nerd end, and it's been crazy within the Star Wars Commonwealth. We've had a few big announcements over the last couple of days as it relates to the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Number one being, welcome to the Tatooine Sons, the newest members of the Star Wars Commonwealth. We've talked about them a little bit in the past, how great the concept of their show is, where we have a dad in David passing on his Star Wars fandom to his sons, Samuel the Hutt and BB Nate. So shout out to those guys. Welcome to the network. They've got a daily podcast that's going to start on March 1st. And they've also got their weekly podcast, which I believe drops on Fridays. These guys are awesome. A lot of fun. And it's great to see kids kind of jumping in and expressing themselves with the podcast form and talking about Star Wars. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Yo, uh, welcome to the team, guys. Looking forward to hearing more of your content. And, and these guys actually named Porg, yes. as I recall. I, I saw the Clatter interview, right? So yeah. that's pretty cool, man. So shout out to you guys. And uh, man, what a good age it is to be their kids right now. Oh, huh. man. Just, man. They're just getting everything, too. Yeah. And the fact, too, that they actually, like you said, got the name of Porg, Turbis the Porg. That's right. So it's a big hashtag going on within the Commonwealth and within Tatooine Sons now is that Ryan Johnson, they're right there in the crowd, and he let one of the sons there name a pork and he called out pablo hidalgo and said if you're listening let's make this happen which is really cool so get on that hashtag turbis the pork make it canon it's it's really cool and they also got a pump from ryan johnson as well that's right he called out their podcast and said you got to listen to these guys there's a video of it yeah it was a video yeah Yeah. out on twitter yeah yeah Yeah, it's dope so give those guys a follow make sure you check them out they're a ton of fun they add another great dynamic to this ever-growing star wars commonwealth there's this whole niche thing going on everyone's got their own little piece of the star wars pie and you add it all together and you get the totality of the Star Wars Commonwealth, which is just a fantastic thing. I can't wait. There's another big announcement coming in a few weeks, maybe. So keep your ears tuned to the Star Wars Commonwealth. And the other big thing we have to talk about quickly here is myself and Mark from TSW took a stab at revamping and updating the Star Wars Commonwealth website at StarWarsCommonwealth.com. So now it's a big landing hub for the Commonwealth. Each podcast has their own page with their episodes uploaded any writing that they're doing their twitter and facebook feeds so it's kind of a 
one-stop shop for all your Commonwealth podcasting, as well as we're going to start publishing a bit more to this website as well. I threw an article up there just last night about my daughter finding her Star Wars and kind of an experience I had with her that was just a big realization. Mark's doing a ton of stuff. We're seeing each podcast upload every single day because we get daily shows as far as the Commonwealth goes. When you're going from Monday straight through to Friday, there's a publication every single day. So go and check that out. We put a lot of work into this thing. We're really pleased with it. It's a great spot to get all your Star Wars Commonwealth content. Yeah, man, you you called it, man. It's a one-stop shot. Keep it locked here on the Commonwealth. Yeah, definitely. And I just got to give a shout out to the entire Commonwealth, everyone there. Everyone is just clipping along, doing great things. The solo commentary has been a ton of fun. And in general, it's such a positive place to be. Everyone from the Knights of the Commonwealth, from the listeners, from each and every podcast, right down to the podcast hosts themselves, everyone is incredible. And I just want to thank you guys for making us a part of this much bigger community. Absolutely, man. It's been so much fun being with you guys. And man, it's been a while now. Yeah, well yeah. over a year. We're not the new kids on the block anymore. No, man. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my dude. It has been a crazy week in Nerd. But how is how is your personal week in Nerd been? Have you been doing any comic book reading, catching up there, any collecting? Um, you know, I went back to uh, Son of Dathmere, man. Yes. I, I, I got that trade and I, you know, I did it all in one sitting. Yeah. I was thoroughly hooked. And I think the fascinating thing with this book, I mean, one is actually Dark Horse. It wasn't Marvel, but it's cool that's gone over to Marvel. Um, and, and two, just how, um, how much of an easy read it is. It's, it's great. There's not too much dialogue. It felt very much like the Clone Wars because yeah. it technically was meant to be an episode or two. But I, I really like what it did. And now I have the full scope of Darth Maul. Like this was missing in my Star Wars world because we had a conclusion obviously in, um, was it Twin Sons? Was that the, the name I of I believe episode? so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he uh, got taken out. Spoiler alert <laughs> by Obi-Wan. But uh, yeah, now I got the full grasp of the Maul, which was great. We got some more Mandalorians in there. And we got a lot of Sidious, a lot of Palpatine, yes. which we don't really get enough of. So all in all, it was a good book. I, I liked the art. That was cool. Um, that's all I did for comic book reading. My daughter and I, we, we do this thing now where we just watch Spider-Man Homecoming. Like, <laughs> we're just killing it. You know, we're, we're watching that and uh, I love that movie. It's It keeps climbing my charts in the MCU film um, or, or universe. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, I would say that's about it, man. I You know what I was doing actually a lot of? I was watching the Han Solo trailer a lot. Yeah. I, I'm, I gotta say, I'm really hooked now. After watching it over and over again, I'm buying more and more of the solo actor. Yeah, he is really good. I have to yeah. agree with you, man. Like, I've been doing a lot of that too. Just in the background, I'm on the bus, whatever. Oh, I'll watch the solo trailer. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I feel like I've been relatively supportive of this from the beginning. And you've kind of come right from one end now into, like, you're a hotly anticipating this it, film. For sure. I mean, you know, and... It, Last Jedi trailer it got me, you know. Last trailer, uh, yeah, the Last Jedi trailer looked incredible. I was yeah. totally on board, and you know, I didn't really care for the movie that much. This movie, though, I wasn't really anticipating much, but the trailer has me hooked. So hopefully, this movie delivers on all levels because right now I'm I'm in this world. Now, do you think the way Stars is marketed? So this is being marketed very differently. Usually, yes. you get this flood of trailers, the behind the scenes thing, which is I think we're expecting here in a couple of days, actually. Yeah, but. Being that we got a trailer, you know, relatively close to the release of the film, not much promo art. We haven't seen really any of the toys other than some of the leaks from Lego on that. Do you think that Star Wars can afford going into the future to release limited things to build hype for for their films? Or do you still think they need to go down the similar path that, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, all of them do with releasing multiple trailers, TV spots as we get closer? 
Do you think that stores can take a slight step back and say, look, we're going to build anticipation by pure absence of marketing? Um, I think we'll know after this movie, <laughs> to be honest, because I think, you know, The Last Jedi is pretty divided. Most people like Rogue One. Most people like um, Force Awakens. But I don't think anyone's really been on board like they have been with the OG trilogy, Yeah, obviously. So I feel like Solo is in this, it's in a tough spot right now because it really has to do a lot to win over the people like me from Last Jedi. And... Some of the people that don't really want a solo movie, yeah. much like myself again. So it's 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 tough. I still feel like every movie should be marketed properly. And I think they did such a great job with Force Awakens and Rogue One and Last Jedi. I don't see why they would go away from that. And that's kind of what scares me about this movie is yeah. why do we have to wait so long to get this trailer? Or look at the trailer. images? Look at the quality of it though, right? <laughs> Looks great. Like Looks if they great. had to chuck out a subpar trailer mm-hmm. with maybe half finished CGI or even no appearance of the Falcon. Right. Like we would have been all over that, saying, Definitely. "Okay, let's it's something's going on here. What's wrong?" And they released just enough of completed footage, or it appears to be completed footage, mm-hmm. to really hook people like yourself and even me that was fully on board with this from the get go. Because yeah. uh, I have this this really soft spot for Star Wars. <laughs> I'm super forgiving of it, but I think that doing it in this order was probably a good way. And, you know, they separated themselves a bit from The Last Jedi. It was, the talk had really died down once they released that that trailer. Yeah. So they, they kind of gave themselves a bit of breathing room from that to allow the marketing to die off from The Last Jedi and pick right up with Solo. Because this is the first time that we're really doing this six-month-apart thing. That's true. I, my only concern is, do you think enough people know about this movie? That's Because obviously the people in this world of Star Wars, we all know Solo's coming. We've all been waiting for this film. But... A lot of people also, at the same time, may not even know there's a Han Solo standalone film coming out. No, and that Solo yeah, Star Wars story tag, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult to see if people grasp what it actually is. Because we have the death of Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Right. The storytelling isn't sequential like people are getting used to with the MCU, the DC Extended Universe. You know, all these films that have been coming out for the past 10 years. Yeah. And then really rounding out and telling the audience, this is how you need to watch movies now in these universes. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that we're really going into one of these where we're stepping back and forth, back and forth. Every other movie is not really a continuum from the movie before. Right. So that's a different style of film watching and requires a slightly larger or slightly higher barrier of entry to a degree. I think you could probably yeah. walk into this film and grasp the most of it. Yeah. But that was some of the discussion about, about China. Yeah. Is the, the barrier for entry for stars, is it too high? Do you need to have a full appreciation for the entirety of the universe to get every aspect? Do these films that are acting as prequels and are asking you to know a bit more of the context of the characters, is that, again, another step above The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi? Because to me, the barrier for entry for those are lower than these standalone films. Right. It's tough to stakes. I mean, even if you go back to Rogue One, I mean, we pretty much... Ha- kind of knew the outcome of that story already going back to the original trilogy just going off to episode four yeah uh han solo though that, that that's a tricky one because we really don't know how it sets i i think this solo is meant to be five years younger yeah than harrison ford of, of a new hope harrison ford so but it, yeah. but you go in and there's there's lando there's yeah. chewbacca there's han solo so those are characters that i think there has to be some expectation you know who they are yes are they gonna spend a ton of time explaining lando calrissian are they gonna spend the dynamic, I guess that you were going to see the dynamic yeah. grow between Chewbacca and Han. Right. But some of that appreciation of that characterization and of that relationship comes from knowing 
the whole story from A New Hope through Return of the Jedi into The Force Awakens and beyond, right? Exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how people, maybe even like Sanjay, right? He has right. an appreciation for the films, but maybe not so much the you know the deep understanding of a relationship or a connection between characters. Right. To see how he reacts to that, and if it feels like he's missing something. Think about reading a comic book, and you've got issues one through three. You skip four and five and read the sixth issue in the final arc. Yeah. Like, are you kind of going back and forth too much and not getting maybe a chunk of the of the story and therefore you can kind of get the end of it, but you don't really get the full scope of the story. That's a bit of my worry with this jumping back and forth and these standalones. They're not really standalones, right? Yeah, they're not really. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, going to the, to the comic book world. It's like reading a Spider-Man comic from issues one to six, but then you see Venom pop up and you get Venom in that story between one and six. But then it's like, if you like more Venom, go back To to Venom number two where he's doing his own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're still asking the same thing as what you just mentioned. Is yeah, it's you kind of have to know a bit more about that character or where do you jump in? Exactly. It's yeah. a jumping on point issue, right? With comic books and yeah. with films here. Is it a, is it a jumping on issue? Mm-hmm. It's just something that it kind of spitballing as, as we're talking <laughs> here and that I, I just wonder and I'm curious how people are, are kind of the outside world is going to react to this. Yeah. Like particularly maybe even our wives that don't have that, they really understand Han Solo and Chewbacca, but yeah. don't have that 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 deep knowledge that we've been talking about, right? That's right. That that connection point between Lando. Like I'm wondering even if my wife will really remember who Lando is and his importance to the Han Solo story. Yeah. And how he is and why when Donald Glover's sitting there smiling with cards in his hands, we're all freaking out about it. <laughs> right? Minds, right? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I guess the only characters, in my opinion, that could really do this, though, I guess, is a Han Solo. Because Harrison Ford is just so big. Yeah. So you think of Han Solo. And then an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because everybody knows those guys yeah. from Star Wars. Which is kind of weird that we didn't get the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie first in these uh, Star Wars story films. Because you think that would be the guy to lead the way. Because we had Obi-Wan in the original trilogy. Yeah. And then we obviously had Obi-Wan representing pretty well. In the prequels. So everybody... Clone Wars. In Clone Wars. So every generation knows Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone's had... Even the Clone Wars era yeah. was a slightly different generation than the prequel era. Exactly. And we had him from A New Hope and Empire and all that, right? Exactly. So there... Yeah, you're right. There is a bit more of, of continuity of character through multiple generations. Now, Han Solo, yes, he is timeless character. For sure. But he is very focused in the original trilogy. Yes. We don't really have him popping up in the prequel. We don't have him popping up in the prequels. The Clone Wars, Rebels, nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's funny enough because that's a bit of the article I wrote about my daughter finding her Star Wars. Cool. Is that she really put this like gender divide up between Star Wars and what she likes. She says, Star Wars is for boys and Princess and that are for girls. Right. And I kind of always was like, ah, I don't really love this, but I love that she has an interest, a passion, something that she really likes. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, well, the Star Wars she knows is is my Star Wars. Yes. It's the Han Solo, C-3PO, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia. Yeah. And she's always kind of liked that idea of Princess Leia because she's a princess. Right. But doesn't really have a full appreciation for the character. So what I did is I sat her in front of an episode of Rebels. Nice. And it's the one where Hera's flying the X-Wing and all that. And oh, okay. she freaking loved it. But That's I didn't tell awesome. her what it was. She yeah. just referred to it as a, as a spaceship show. And it was cool <laughs> to watch that having characters like Hera and Sabine be their pathways, their entryway into the universe and making that her star wars right so i'm hoping that down the road here she 
associates Hera and Sabine with her Star Wars. She wants to see more of those characters, whether it's in the comic books, going back and revisiting more Rebels. But she has her entryway in, her generational entryway into Star Wars, right. which is different than you and I, right? Definitely. It's not through the original trilogy. So this generation, our daughters and kind of the one in between that yeah. and our daughters, between us and our daughters, they came in through the prequels and Clone Wars. That's yeah. their Star Wars. So it's kind of cool to see that that continuum of generations and how this is such a generational franchise and how it means different things to different people. Because you also have, maybe slightly older than our daughters, this original or this new saga tale with Rey and Finn in that. Yep. That's going to be their Star Wars. Exactly. So everyone's got their own thing, which I really like. And when I sat back and really thought about that, it just blew my mind that there's so many avenues into this universe and it means something different to each person. So the prequels really hit. We're in that kind of in that wheelhouse, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't have the original trilogy. So the prequels were a little bit of our Star Wars. Yeah. Or our big screen too. That was our, our first big exactly. screen experience, right? So yeah. it was just an interesting thing as we're kind of talking about Solo <laughs> there. And, and it's appeal to a different audience or a wider audience and how the barrier for entry for stars sometimes is high. But they've provided a much lower one in different avenues for different generations, particularly I find now with females. Yeah. With like our, our young daughters now have a way in through Jin, Rey, yeah. Padme, uh, Princess yeah. Leia, Ahsoka, yeah. all that, right? Yes. Hera, Sabine. It's, it's, it goes it's on and wild. on. It's crazy. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> so. it, it's great. And it's so cool because then it opens up like, like you mentioned, our daughters are going to grow up with the new trilogy. But then, in a sense, like they can go back, like prequels. Yes. And then, like the OG will be their prequels. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's crazy. It's mind blowing. But yeah. man, they're doing a great job with all that stuff. So yeah, they certainly are. They awesome. certainly are. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking a bit about Star Wars here, as we were going on here, on the hunt, I'm I'm eagerly anticipating the drop of the Han Solo figure. So next or this Saturday, actually, the 17th, New York Toy Fair starts. Nice. And it goes through until Tuesday, so we should see the Han Solo Legends and a few other the merchandise or Black Series. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we will see Legends as well, yeah. but we're going to see the Hansel Black series. Yes, thank yeah. you for correcting me. And also we'll get the Infinity War Legends we should get at, at Toy Fair this weekend too. We've had a relatively good look at them from the leaks online. Yeah. But hopefully maybe they give some indication of what we're going to see in the second wave. And maybe a bit better look at maybe a... Do you think we're going to get... A armored up Thanos. Well, I, I saw online um, the full model of the build a figure Thanos being rotated. He looks pretty good. He actually yeah. looks like a six inch or seven inch uh, hot toy. But the fully armored one, I don't think so. I, I and I, I wonder they Avengers don't need 4? to explain it, but you know we see it at the end of Avengers, him kind of looking like the classic comic yeah. Thanos, right with the the crown and whatnot. Yeah, and even in Guardians, he yeah, is fully yeah, armored up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I wonder if they just kind of gone away from that design. I don't know. Maybe. There's there there has to be an in movie explanation for it. Yeah, because that's that's the classic Thanos. Like the Thanos we're seeing in the films is much more farmer like, like. yeah farmer the post <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet Thanos. I believe it's Infinity Gauntlet somewhere in there. Yeah, where he's kind of a farmer. Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing these legends in the full flesh, full pictures, as well as these Black Series. Definitely, because the Black Series on the pegs right now are stacked deep. You can get. Anything, anything you want from the last two or three waves here in Canada. And I'm even seeing now those deluxe vehicles, the speeders. Oh, yeah. Luke speeder and uh, Ray speeder. They're discounted down now to $69 from 100 And that's at Toys R Us? That's at Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. So it's going to drop. And they're still stacked 
deep. Like yeah. no one's even grabbing those yet. No one's budging on those. They yeah. got to go down at least another $20 for me to even look twice at them. Like they got to be around the $45. And mark. I'm cool with that for sure. Cause they're crafted well. They look great, but I'm just, I'm not dropping 70 bucks no. on those. It's, they're still yeah. too high. I, t- yeah. I tweeted that. Out. I said, you got 20 more dollars to go before I start to really <laughs> contemplate these things. We're going to get there. I think we will too, yeah. because no one's still, no one's touching them at 70. Yeah. They're still too expensive. I get that there's a big vehicle in there and there's a legend in there legend black series in there that's worth about 30 bucks and i'm willing to pay maybe another 20 for the crafted vehicle yeah but outside of that i, I just can't i can't justify that anymore yeah less or any more than 50 dollars. especially when it comes to space wise too it's not the easiest thing to display i guess those two aren't too bad i'll, I'll pull them out of the box but for like, sure my giant tie fighter <laughs> like, what am i gonna do with that like I've, there's not even any space for it <laughs> chandelier <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea <laughs> no and then my the rest of my weekend nerd consisted of reading some guardians of the galaxy up to 100 issue 150 return of adam warlock i picked up nice. infinity countdown warlock so we're getting into this event that we've mentioned before that's going to run parallel with the infinity war film so i'm really looking forward to that I got to give a shout out to my good friend over there at Talk Stars, Mark. He fired me over some beautiful, beautiful Last Jedi posters. I already did a little bit of exchange. I sent him some vintage figures. He fired me over these posters. They're absolutely gorgeous. I'll throw an image up on Twitter after we're done recording here. But thank you, man. So stoked to have these. Going to get them up framed right here in the nerd room. I love The Last Jedi. These posters are incredible. We got some, you know, we got the AT-ATs or the, whatever, the, the big gorilla walkers. We got beautiful poster here of snoke's throne room with the praktorian guards yeah they're, they're awesome man it has a real cool 80s vintage uh hobbit feel you know like the like the cartoon movie hobbit looks so cool man that's a damn great looking posters yeah gotta com- get them framed up right yeah the commonwealth yeah. coming together supporting each other yeah. on the hunt nice <laughs> <laughs> all right man we've got a ton of news to skip through here over the next little bit before we get into a little bit more depth and discussion of Black Panther. We're going to do a prelude episode here. Now, this is going to be spoiler-free. We're just going to ask a few questions and talk about a few of the key players and some of the key environments that we're going to see in this film to just give you guys a bit of a flavor for the movie and the universe that you're going to be walking into so you understand a bit more, and maybe that barrier for entry is just a bit lower than it would be in the absence of that. So we're going to talk a bit about Necropolis, Wakanda, the heart-shaped herbs, so some of the elements that we think are going to be in the film but we're not going to go too far into this. And then we're also going to do a little bit of a question and answer period. Just talking a bit about what some of our predictions are, whether it's box office, are we going to see an infinity stone, maybe a cameo or two, all spoiler free. We're going to get into that a little later on in the episode. But first, we got to talk a little bit of DC here. Yeah. I believe Justice League actually is out on Blu-ray right now. Digitally. Yeah. Digitally, yeah. Because it's playing at the comic book shop when I was there last week. Nice. But... The scene they teased, the Superman scene that was not in the film, they actually released that or someone released that online and I watched it. Now, I speculated that it was simply going to be something or extension of the cornfield scene. It wasn't that. It was actually something to do with the Superman black suit. What are your thoughts on this scene? You've got Clark Kent walking into the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. Or at least the spacecraft that's up in the Arctic, wherever it is. Yeah. And he walks in and we see these suits coming out of the wall, I guess. And this is where he eventually picks up the Superman suit that he wears for the final battle. But as he's walking through this hallway, a black suit pops out from a closet or whatever, some storage facility. And it kind of does a rotation and then it goes back in with his back turned to it. 
Now, do you think this is a missed opportunity? Is there any other situation that you feel that we'll see that black suit? Or is this just a nice nod for the fans and we're never going to see this again? <laughs> well, it's hard to say. I think the clip was about 51 seconds. Yeah. And I believe I heard on the Blu-ray extras it's going to be actually two minutes so i guess there's still more to this scene that we haven't seen yet um but uh i mean the black suit looks kind of cool we all speculated it was there i mean we kind of knew it was there and i believe Zack snyder shot this one yeah so this wasn't joss whedon that did this henry cavill looks normal his, his yes. face looks good <laughs> but um i don't know man you know we we may we might have never gotten this suit like it would have never been on him maybe it was just like a little nod in the background maybe he never actually wore this suit i still feel like he he probably did because there's parts of the movie where he looks very <laughs> cg um and it looks like they digitally took off the costume but um all in all i don't know i mean yeah i did i wish he had the suit yeah i think it would have been cool but all in all it didn't take away anything from me from the superman this is still in my opinion the best superman we've had in the dc eu um, outside of Man of Steel. So I, I really like what they did there. It's unfortunate we didn't get the black suit, but I was never really like super big on like yeah. the black suit on Superman as I was with, say, Spider-Man in the black suit, right? So yeah. all in all, it's cool, but I, I guess I got to wait and see on the Blu-ray what we get in that uh, the, the whole two minutes of that scene. Yeah, I wonder if this black suit wouldn't have taken away from that characterization that you're talking about. Right. You would have probably had to have Superman come back a little earlier in the film to get into the black suit and then eventually get into the blue and white. Yes. Because you guys were saying this is the best Superman you've seen to date in the DCU. You just said that. Yeah. (laughs) But if they had shoved him into the black suit, he would have had to have had a slightly different characterization than he did towards the end of this film, this kind of upbeat Superman that you guys were ready for. Yes. If they had done the black suit, you're now looking at spending a bit of time in that and then having to tell a bit of a story how he transitions back into the Superman that you guys loved at the end of this film. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is just a really nice nod for the universe. I don't really need to see him in the black suit. I would have maybe liked it or thought it was cool. Yeah. But... I don't think it would have fit into this film. And outside of this film, I don't really see him going back to that black suit. Yeah, opportunity's over. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's gone and done. The death of Superman and his subsequent revival kind of maybe calls to having that black suit because he can wake up as someone slightly different. Yeah. But now that we've gone through that transition back to your upbeat Superman, yeah. there seems to be no room for that anymore. And I'm yeah. fine with that. For sure. And, and like you mentioned, like we got the upbeat Superman. And I feel like for the last, what, two movies we saw him appear in, he, it's kind of been a little, a little negative, a little down, you know? So it would have been kind of weird to like, bring him back as like a, a bad darker Superman, but yeah. we've had him dark for the last two films and then make him upbeat. I feel like they just got rid of that. And made him the, the the true blue that he's meant to be. Yeah. So. Should they have done the black suit really early on, like had a proto suit and Man of Steel, um, similar to like what Zod had, and weren't they wearing a, a form of the black suit on Krypton? Zod, yeah, it looked like Zod was yeah. actually like, even when he is fighting them on Earth, it yeah. did look like it. I wish they kind of did um, the was it the Action Comics. Superman New 52 where he kind of wears his shirt and it has like the Superman symbol but he has jeans on I guess it's a different tone for yeah. that universe that they set up but um I like I like Superman Clark Kent just being kind of the Smallville working under the scenes and then eventually wearing the big blue suit I, I'm a sucker for just the blue suit really classic Superman yes yeah, and you got it <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> now sticking with DC here this film Lobo that it was kind of tossed out there yeah. 
and and Michael Bay is his name attached to it or is that just a bit of back and forth online? Is this is Michael Bay entering into the DC extended universe? Might be. He might be. I I guess if the budget's right cuz Michael Bay is normally doing these high budget films but he's He's not going to get a $200 million budget for this one. No, especially I after the last a, movie. Yeah, he wants a lower budget on it. Yeah, I think rumors are about 70 to 50 mil. Ooh. Which, I mean, for, for Lobo is okay because it's like you got to think Guardians meets uh, like Bounty Hunter, Deadpool. Not as funny as Deadpool, you know, but I think that's what it could be for the DC EU. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Honestly, I would like to see um, Max Landis, the guy that did Chronicle. Yeah. He also did Bright, and he wrote a cool six-mini run on um, American Alien, which is his own take on Superman. I'd like to see him write and team up with Michael Bay. I think that would kind of be a cool combo, just because in that mini run, we got to see Superman versus Lobo. And I think it would be kind of cool in this universe, if you could kind of tease, seeing how they haven't confirmed a Superman movie yet, if you could tease like a fight between those two, and you could kind of toss in Superman in um, the Shazam film, and kind of treat Superman kind of like how... Marvel's been treating Thanos and kind of just build him up, except on the flip side to make him like the good guy, obviously. Yeah. And then you finally drop him and give us like a cool Superman film and just build this character up. Um, I think that'd be kind of a neat and a different take on uh, the world they've established already. So anyways, a little bit of a side tangent. I'm kind of excited for the Lobo film. I've never been a big Lobo guy, but um, I, I'm curious. This actually intrigues me more than like the Shazam and some of the other yeah. things they've mentioned. Shazam, yeah. I, I really, to be honest with you, have zero interest. Kind of in. checked out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and two with Michael Bay. Now he's an interesting choice if he were, in fact, to get this film. But if you look at some of his early stuff and Pain and Gain, right, that he did on a really low budget, it was actually a decent film, watchable for sure. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg and Anthony Mackie. Yeah, so it had a really good cast, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't spectacular or anything <laughs> like that. But if if you're looking for a film to just watch, yeah, Pain and Gain, it's it's kind of funny. It doesn't feel like a Michael Bay film, yeah. but it is. <laughs> it's super action-packed, right? Yeah. yeah. And he did that other one. The Rock? Uh, no, yeah, The Rock. I love all his other yeah. stuff. Armageddon and all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. But he did another military one recently, I think, too. The 13th Hour? Yeah, 13th Hour. That's the Benghazi thing. It was actually decent, too. John cool. Krasinski was in it. Yeah. Um, it was a good film. I really bad. enjoyed it. I think, no, Chris Pratt wasn't in that one. But anyways, yeah. it, it was it was decent as well. Yeah, if so, you kind of stay in that kind of playing field, I'd be down with it. Keep the Transformers somewhere else. And Well, he just can't have the U.S. military <laughs> in the film. They kind of had to give him free reign there for a while to use whatever he wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just blow everything up. It's fine. Don't worry about it, Michael Bay. <laughs> oh, well, that's, it's, it's good news, I think, coming out of the DCU. No matter what they're doing or what they're planning, they continue to at least keep the name of these characters in people's minds. And whether that's good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> but they just got to, you know, roll Aquaman out here, get some yeah. momentum behind him and Wonder Woman. And, and then we can start to see some of these different films. So they just got to nail something down here, whether it's Michael Bay directing Lobo or yeah. whether it's a new Superman film, anything, something, just get some concrete ideas out there. Because if you look at what Marvel's doing right now, yeah. like they just are celebrating their 10th anniversary of the MCU they put out this gorgeous photo, this class photo of almost everyone that's been in an MCU film. And there's got to be a hundred people in that it's photo. Huge. And it was really cool because it was paired up also with a video. If you go look at their Twitter feed there at Marvel Studios, they've got this really nice video talking, walking through this celebration that they had, I believe, in October. And it, it was awesome to see 
how big this universe is. And it actually gave me goosebumps and got me a bit emotional because of the attachment we have to this universe. We've invested the time into this universe over the last 10 years, starting with Iron Man. We're doing the retrospective series. We're adamant about going to see these films on opening weekend. We collect the legends. We have a huge connection to this universe. And to see the outpouring of passion and commitment that guys like Feige and Robert Downey Jr., Evans, Pratt, all these guys have in the appreciation for what they've constructed means a lot to me as someone that sat and invested so many hours into these films into this universe are you getting that same feeling from all of this oh yeah absolutely man i if you go back and look at that photo i feel pretty much how Pollard's sitting yeah in that photo just giddy yeah, and excited just, <laughs> he is sitting there like a big goofball yeah. right and i love it you know it's cool just looking through and be like hey there's there's my favorite and there's you know that person there's that girl and i just i love the photo it's so cool and i'm so excited for this this um this MCU that they've established and especially hearing Kevin Feige be like, and here's to the next 10 years. Yeah. Ah, man, I, I love it. It's so cool. Cause I always go back to, um, Iron Man and Avengers, just, just getting like that foreshadowing of like, wow, we're going to see the Avengers all on the big screen. I think it was, uh, we talked about in the retrospective series. I think it was Captain America first Avenger. Um, when we got the, first kind of trailer teaser yes, of it Avengers. Was. Yes. It was, right? Yeah. And we get to see Thor there and they're all in the helicarry and I'm just like, wow. And the guy came out being like, make sure you stay tuned after this movie because we got a special little feature. And um to see it all come together and where it is now, it's just unreal. And Kevin Feige, his foresight, his vision has just been outstanding and picking guys like James Gunn and the Russo brothers and Ryan Coogler to come wow. along on this ride and and then and then making the Sony deal happen with Spider Man. It's just it's unreal. It's never been done before and I can't wait for the next ten years. No, it's never gonna be replicated either. No. I think it's impossible to to do again what Marvel Studios have done. We've seen it tried through numerous different universes, and for whatever reason, whether it's that they've never had the foresight, whether they've never had a champion of the universe to guide them through and direct them through these big hurdles that they had to get over. We talked about, again, on the retrospective, it's, it's they had to assemble the Avengers. They had to do the solo franchises, get some traction, pull them together, but then also split them all back apart. And have these individual solo franchises running, introduce new characters like Ant-Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel coming up yeah. here, like Doctor Strange. Like there's so many characters that they've now introduced to, to run with this universe. And then you look at the reception that Black Panther's getting right now. Unreal. It's at like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Yeah. And people are calling this a revolutionary film, a game changer for the genre of comic book films. It, it's incredible to see that they've been able to take from very humble beginnings with Robert Downey Jr., a very risky actor at that, to lead this universe into what it is now, a, a global juggernaut, yeah. if I can use that word, that <laughs> phrase from the X-Men universe. It's, it's incredible to have watched and just the reflection back on a lot of this through the retrospective series and through these, these vignettes and these videos that they're putting out kind of periodically to celebrate the 10th anniversary. And this even extends into collecting because you brought to my attention right when you came in here that it looks like potentially Hasbro is doing a 10th anniversary line yeah. and re-releasing some action figures and adding on to the Marvel Legends. We're getting a Crossbones potentially, a re-sculpted Captain America from uh, would have been, it looks like Crossbones Civil from Civil War. yeah. yeah. And for the first time ever, a Marvel Legends or a Legends type of figure of the Iron Man armor from Avengers. Yeah. 
because I think we only got him in, you probably have him for the select line, that armor. Yeah, that armor for the select line. Yeah. And there was a line of Walmart exclusive in the US of six inch figures. Oh. That did run with the Avengers, but they're very, very difficult to get. And they weren't in that branded Marvel Legends line. That was before. Right. Because it was really after Iron Man 3 when the Legends popped up. So the first full set of Legends that were MCU based, I think was Winter Soldier. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. When the cap yeah. suit was a little more blue. Yeah, the but dark then had blue. The other one. When it came, like in the, the packaging that we know now, yeah. there was the card back packaging, which Iron Man 3 came in, but they oh, weren't yeah. so much MCU figures at that point. They still had a comic book twist them because there was an mm. Iron Patriot in there as well. Right. But I don't think it was the roadie Iron Patriot from Iron Man. He's 3. the Osborne. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing for Thor Ragnar or Thor Ragnar, Thor the Dark World. But Winter Soldiers, when I remember first getting MCU Legends in 2014. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. And, and going back to the MCU, the celebration of it all, you, you got to give your hat off to, to Kevin Feige. Because this guy is like, like us. Like, he's like a nerd. He loves yeah. comic books, clearly. I mean, he, he worked on X-Men and Daredevil and Spider-Man, you know, the Sam Remy version. And um, obviously, he's paid his dues. And he's he's learned a lot. I, I think he's even trying to, uh, from way back then, put, um, I think, Wolverine or Hugh Jackman in the Spider-Man film, just to have them cross paths. Like, yeah. He's been trying hard to get this universe off the ground, and he's paid his dues, whereas you got these other guys, I, maybe I don't know their backstory well enough, but they're trying to cut corners, whereas he served the time, and and, and it shows. Yeah. yeah. It definitely does. It's like, even like Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Right? She was a producer on probably every amazing 80s film, like Goonies, everything, right? <laughs> and you now look what she's doing when she's crafting in the Star Wars universe. It's... it's having the ability to have this this long-term view of things and again having a champion for the universe and that means sometimes making not pleasant decisions yeah. like cutting lord miller and yeah. you look at feige he's cut directors and even actors out yeah. of the mcu and it's for the betterment of the universe yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah, yeah right and so yeah i i think hats off to to marvel studios there of course you know, me in particular are very favorable and very positive about Marvel Studios. Yeah. But I think the work, the effort, the passion for putting to, to, to screen something that people like you and I can and really appreciate, but then also grabs the much wider audience. Yeah. There's the, the nods to us. And then there's this whole idea of this big universe that people love watching now. Yep. Like Marvel films are event films now. It's yeah. not just Avengers. It's a Marvel film. You, I get people that text me and say, okay, are we going, when are we going to Black Panther? You know, when are we going to Infinity War? I get people texting me already. Have you bought tickets? <laughs> I want a ticket for Infinity War. I want to be there and experience that, that whole event style thing, the same way Star Wars is right now. And I think that that is all about how they've constructed this over the last 10 years. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's bringing in that new audience, you know, because not all these people read the comics, but they're showing up opening night. Yes. these films and i just think that's so cool because you and i can have conversations about comic books but i can also have a conversation with a buddy at work about the the latest thor ragnarok yeah. who's never picked up a thor comic book but is so in tune with chris hemsworth's version or portrayal of the character and i just think it's so cool yeah it's a lot of fun when you have someone asking questions because they yeah. know that you're into that like what's the deal with this hammer and what's yeah. the deal with loki like how is their relationship and is hella from the comic books like i get a lot right. of those questions is this from the comic books what's like and I really love that that For people sure. are showing interest because of the films, and that's exactly what they want. Definitely. Like I, I wonder 
and it would be hard, really hard to calibrate. Right? <laughs> but I wonder how many people have gone from an MCU film into now comic book reading. Right. I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's yeah. right with Cap. Yeah, I, yeah. I watched Captain America and I said, all right, I'm in. I'm yeah. in for this universe. I'm in for comic book reading. And I've never looked back. That's awesome. Since 2011. Yeah. And wow. it was, I was late in life coming into comic books. I didn't read them as a child. Yeah. It was very much so the MCU that brought me in to comic book reading. And now I have thousands of comic books <laughs> and thousands of dollars gone. We're not going to add up money here. <laughs> but, but kind of running with Marvel and, and universes, we've, we've got a few trailers here for some Marvel films that will be dropping this year. One being Deadpool, which drops, I believe, on May 18th, just before Solo and just after Infinity, Infinity War. War yeah. <laughs> and also Venom. Now, this is a film that comes out in early October. Yeah. So I was really surprised that they teased that a trailer was coming, and then they actually gave us a trailer. Now, the trailer itself doesn't show a lot, but I have to say it kind of intrigued me. Well, and, and see, and that's why I think they did exactly what they did when they did it. Because it comes out so late. Yeah comes out in October, I think, you know, me, I love this trailer, I gotta say, you know, Sanjay might be onto something here with having that in his uh, his pick. I wasn't really anticipating the Venom movie that much, especially on these shaky waters. We don't know if Spider-Man Tom Holland is going to be there or not. But a lot of the complaints I've seen online is there's no Venom costume. And I, I think it might be because it might not just be ready. I, I 100% yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. I think that they literally are not done the CGI or yeah, even close to for sure because we saw the symbiote in the container but yes. we didn't see the full blown costume no and they don't want to put a half finished product out there right they get their ass chewed exactly <laughs> yeah. and we would definitely dig into them yeah. if they walked out with a trailer and said here's the Venom film and you've got this awful looking subpar Spider-Man 3 looking Venom yeah exactly. because look what happened with um, Cyborg yeah like he never recovered from that Cyborg was okay in that movie but he looked horrible even in that movie and I think the first trailer dropped. Everybody was criticizing his CG. It looked it like improved. something from a Nintendo 64. All polygonal <laughs> sure. and all that. Like, it, it looked it's, really it's brutal. weird. It was absolutely brutal. But I, it's it's an interesting time, though, with, with it's kind of going back to, to Venom here. Yeah. And the how and why they dropped the trailer in this way. Because, to me, it's it's a still early. Yeah. But creating this buzz in and around Solo, Infinity War, Black Panther, Deadpool... Why would you want your film to get, kind of get lost? Because this is the type of trailer, although it, it hit and it was pretty good, it intrigued me, yeah. but it's going to be forgotten within a week or two here. No one's going to remember what this is. And being the way that they structured it, no one's going to know it's a comic book movie. Maybe that's not what they want, yeah. but no one's going to associate this with the Venom from Spider-Man 3. So maybe they are creating a separation between the two. But I was really surprised that they didn't toss out Tom Holland if he's actually in this. Well, that's the only thing too, right? I mean, we don't know still exactly where Infinity War is going to go. And if there might be a symbiont in that movie, I still doubt it. We don't even know if it's even connected in that same world. But um, it is interesting time. And it's still kind of how I feel like with the whole Ant-Man and the Wasp. I still feel like that was kind of weird when they placed it. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense because we have Infinity War. Black Panther's hot right now. It's still the whole universe but um going off this trailer i really do like the over the shoulder shots going on yeah and how the rest of the city is like changing the environment's changing it, it reminds me of like a batman arkham game how a lot of these games are kind of done i really like the older over the shoulder approach yeah they've got some really cool scenes in here now it's it's heavily focused in on on tom hardy yeah it's almost him that drew me in more than anything yeah 
the presence of, of Hardy. And here, you, we're kind of got the trailer here on in the background here, but yeah, these over the shoulder shots, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like, is that a conscious choice? Like something's watching him. I wonder if they're trying to, to tell us something mm-hmm. more about how, and the way they use the cameras about Tom Hardy and the separation of the symbiote suit. I may be reading way too much into this, but I, I do like that point yeah. that, you, that you're pulling there, that you're, you're looking at Tom Hardy, the back of him quite a bit. That's right. And now they establish here within the trailer that the Venom or the symbiote definitely does come from space somewhere. It looks yes. like there's some sort of crash shuttle here. Some Stranger Things stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, and we see him going under the uh, the MRI, which is interesting because in the comics, I think it's just before he becomes anti-Venom, which is Venom, but the white yeah. version of it. Um Eddie Brock, he uh, he was diagnosed with cancer. So it'd be interesting if they kind of skipped a lot of the stuff we already know about the character and he already has cancer. And if he gets the costume, maybe it cures him. Kind oh, of yeah. like what they did in the Ultimate Universe where Peter Parker and Eddie Brock's uh, parents were creating the costume to cure cancer. So maybe they're taking a bit of the Ultimate Universe, a little bit of the 616, and they're kind of putting it together. That would be an interesting approach. Yeah, because we see the symbiote here, like you mentioned there. It's in a container. And there appears to be some, I'm not sure the characters here, I'm not super familiar with the Venom Spider-Man side of things. Right. But there seems to be someone that is, again, using this for maybe some sort of super soldier program. Right. But he becomes, likely becomes infected with it. I'm wondering if they're teasing a bit here with the symbiote and maybe being separated to some degree. You're getting Venom, but also maybe a tease of Carnage to a degree. Right. Yeah, because we did see, I forgot the actor's name, but he played, uh, is it is it Bogey? Bodhi? From um, Rogue One. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we yeah. saw him just a little bit earlier. So I think he was rumored to maybe possibly even be Carnage. So uh-huh. you might be bang on the money with the Carnage reference there. Yeah. I think they have to do something like that if they're making yeah. him an anti-hero of sorts. Yes. And the one thing here that, that's also in there is just this almost force-like swing. He does kind of some sort of swing and all these computers and all that go flying off the right. desks. Yeah. So is that within a normal Venom... Uh, never seen him do that without the costume on at least (laughs) without the tentacles uh, going all over the place yeah Yeah. and then right at the end there there's the um, the scene with Tom Hardy kind of freaking out in the MRI that's great yeah, but it kind of gives it a horror vibe. Yes. A bit. The yeah. way the camera angle works there and it kind of twitches around. Right. And it goes on for quite a while to yes. really get that effect. And that, that to me really was like, okay, maybe we're looking at something a little bit different here. Yeah. Which I can get on board with. Like, like I said at the start, I, I have no real interest <laughs> in this film. But now I do. Yeah. this I said it on Twitter when it first came out. I said, okay, you've got my attention. Now the next step is put in a trailer, whether it's sometime in the summer or whatever, that has a fully fledged, really good looking suit. Yes. Now for the suit, what are you looking for in the Venom suit? Can it be a bit rough? Does it have to be comic accurate? What what's are you hoping for to see in the next trailer? Yeah, it's it's hard to say because I still don't know if this fits in the MCU. And we do know with the MCU, their costume designs, they've worked every time, but they're very kind of like like patchy, yeah. if that makes any sense. You know, they, there's a look to the MCU costumes, and we've never seen anything like a Venom done before. So it's hard to it's hard to imagine where he would fit if he's in that world. But if it's not connected to the MCU, then for sure I want to see a full-blown, I don't want to say CGI fest, but I do want to see Venom look kind of comic accurate. I want him to be big. I don't want him to be like the little Venom that we did see in uh, Spider-Man 3. And I'm pretty sure this is Eddie Brock, so it should look more like the Eddie Brock Venom as opposed yeah. to the Flash Thompson's um, Venom character. It, for, for me, it's got to be... 
it can't be a crisp, clean CGI suit. No. There's got to be some some almost grittiness to it, some imperfections about the suit. Right. Because if we get something that, that looks similar to the comics or even what we got in Spider-Man 3, right. I don't think it's going to fit in the tone that they seemingly set for this. Right. I get this feeling that it's going to be this relationship where... And the suit should reflect this because the suit should almost play a character as well. Yes. That it's, he's going to be trying to push it off him. It's going to be trying to get off him, but they're going to have to work together in some way. Okay. Like, almost that, that symbiotic relationship. Right. So it's like half on, half off. Yeah. And constantly. so it's kind of always moving yeah. and changing and you're seeing patches of him underneath. Right. And, you know With what I mean? Skin and everything. Yeah. Exactly I don't flush. want it to be this like clean right shiny costume right like almost like a spider-man costume on tom hardy it's got to be right they almost have that horror vibe to it like i'm almost would be happy if if we get a lot of scenes in the night yeah in the shadows yeah lurking. where it's it's a lot of about the imperfection of the suit and this relationship between the two of them like would you would you be cool with i don't even know if this ever happened to comics if if the venom suit and eddie brock are almost kind of communicating a bit yeah and i don't know how they'd really demonstrate that but almost having that relationship where it's like okay you need me i need you for now because yeah. you're curing my cancer and i'm yeah. acting as a host for you well that's always been the cool thing with the relationship is that they they need each other you know venom's always or eddie brock's always been like we are one they they really do bond together so it would be kind of cool going off with what you said if you see them throughout the movie maybe kind of fighting back and forth until the end they realize they yeah. are one and then you see the suit maybe even clean up a little bit more so. But I would like to see that tension between the two of them at first. But um, yeah, it's, it's just so hard to say. I really do hope we see kind of like if you go back and the movie wasn't good. But if you go back to Spawn yes. and how that costume was yes. but done better in 2018, yeah. <laughs> I think that could be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. So one to watch, I think. This, it comes out in October. So we're months and months we got a ton of movies to get through before yeah. then but it might be something that really hits the radar in october because that's traditionally kind of a low month yeah. that's when you're getting your horror films exactly right right so that will be interesting if it's going to go with that horror crowd yeah. yeah because we had the what is it the mutant movie that uh yeah ex, uh, new mutants new mutants got pushed back yeah pushed way back but that originally had that horror-esque vibe yeah so i don't know if they're trying to take a similar path and going into the genre switching within the the comic book movie world and how this can be a horror that also has the comic book movie twist to it that's right i like doing that i like seeing that so hopefully this continues down a very favorable path and the next trailer or image we get is a very well-formed venom suit or well formed in the sense that it's done well on cgi yeah. I, I think it's good they left it out i think it's i think a so too really good choice yeah absolutely agree builds enough hype because people again coming back to this this trailer and the time it's dropped is people aren't going to remember the fact that there wasn't venom in here but they surely would remember if there was a shitty one in there yes <laughs> so, sony doesn't want that <laughs> no not at all well played so well played now, the next trailer we're going to talk about here is deadpool 2 this trailer is called deadpool meet cable now they've taken an interesting approach with deadpool as a whole their marketing as we've mentioned in the past is extremely different from what they'd done before if you remember i guess tomorrow is valentine's day and i think this came out around this weekend yep 
two last years year, ago. two years ago, yeah. Yep. And they really played off the idea that this was a romantic comedy yeah. and had this like guerrilla marketing and all that. They're not doing that here. They're playing very much the fourth wall breaking and letting Deadpool do some of the almost the skits that he did before. Yeah. And you see some of that in this trailer, but this is a kind of a weird combination of a serious cable villain or not so much villain, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him. Right. And you layer that now into a Deadpool film. Right. Because at the start of this, it feels very much like an X-Men movie. Definitely. Well, Days of Future Past. Yes. I'm like, where's this movie? I, I yeah. really want to see this movie. I, I want to see him pop up at the end of Days of Future Past. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, it starts off pretty, I guess, generic, like every other comic book yeah. trailer in a sense. But this really had my interest. For sure. Yeah, right here in Deadpool or Deadpool. Cable <laughs> looks great. Josh Bowen looks awesome. Yeah. And then it really switches tones here. <laughs> and you know what? This is very appropriate. Yeah. I think for a Deadpool film. It has a nice knock at CGI being incomplete, which is exactly <laughs> what we were just talking about yep. with Venom. <laughs> it makes a reference to removing a mustache, which is hilarious. Nice knock at DC. Yeah. And it also has a really cool nod to Infinity War because, or Thanos, Josh Brolin, who plays Thanos as well. Right. When Deadpool says, oh, fine, I'll do it myself. Exactly. Coming out of Age of Ultron. That's right. <laughs> so I absolutely love that. Then we walk into this really strange, but also hilarious, or I think really hilarious, Deadpool scene where he's biding time so that they can finish up the CGI here. <laughs> and it's a, there's a nod to Disney with the Sheriff Woody here. That's right. <laughs> Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this might be a scene that we see or something very familiar or similar to this. In the film itself, where you have Deadpool versus Cable in the middle of a street, we kind of get some scenes from that a little later on. Yeah. But, you know, Ryan Reynolds in this in this character is awesome. I, I really like this. It's kind of different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not the same as we'd seen in the past, but this is very much Deadpool. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely appeals to the, the audience that they've built up and gained from the last uh, movie that came out two years ago. Um, all in all, it's, it's pretty good. I only worry if we're going to get played out by the fourth wall stuff a bit I, I hope not i hope they don't do it too often because the last movie was such a surprise hit yes that i'm worried if they keep walking down that path it might be a little i don't know but that's the good thing with having cable in here maybe i'll balance it out quite a bit because yeah. he'll be the straight man the whole time i, I assume so yeah because yeah I, I agree with you the the whole cable aspect of it's going to be an interesting thing to watch because their dynamic has to be very well executed for it to be a Deadpool film, but also take this character, which seemingly looks awesome. You get a great fight scene with him here. Mm -hmm. CGI, the eye looks great. Oh, yeah. The arm looks awesome. He looks like a character that should have been in like Days of Future Past. Yeah. Maybe centered around him a bit more. Definitely. But balancing out the tone that they're setting here with Cable and also the tone that they have with Deadpool, and we see throughout the majority of the trailer, yeah. is going to be a difficult thing. It's going to be two worlds really melding together. Yeah. And... That may or may not cause a few issues within the film itself. That's right. Now, we see a lot of different mutants here. Yeah. And it looks like there seems to be at least an element of this of this whole idea of, of mutants being captured and transported in these big containers that you see on the road. We see Domino in here. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a few other mutants. We get maybe an X-Force type of tease here when they're up in the plane. That's right. Terry Crews. I don't yeah. know who he's playing, but I have no idea, no idea he's even in this film. <laughs> no, which is awesome. Yeah. And it seems like it's going to be expanding a bit more on the mutant or X-Men universe. Yeah. Maybe more X-Men adjacent universe. We're going to get a lot of references probably to, hey, why is there all of a sudden all these mutants in this film? And <laughs> But I think it looks it looks like a lot of fun and it looks like a good film. Like I'm excited for this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. It looks like it's coming right off the heels again, off of uh, off of part one there. And uh, Ryan Reynolds just owns this character. He's so good. Got some good humor in there too. With uh, I can't remember the lady, the, the blind uh, uh some owl. But you know, I just like how he corrects her English. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that is just it's just great. And uh, I can't wait to see this movie. They must feel pretty confident putting in that May 18th slot. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that we, we kind of bash around a little bit mm-hmm. here on the podcast as to why you'd want to do that. Your audience isn't particularly the same as it is for Infinity War Solo, but there's still going to be some overlap. Like your Venn diagram isn't going to be as big as, say, the crossover isn't going to be as big as like Solo and Infinity War. Yeah. But there's still going to be a, a small chunk of that audience that is going to go out and see this not so much instead of Solo or Infinity War, but at the same time. So you're wondering if you're you know, fatiguing your general audience a little bit. That's right. And maybe that's what they're trying to capture is let's that's get true. out of, out of, what is it, June into May, mm-hmm. kind of the start of this whole big, big buildup through basically Infinity War, this solo wrinkle in time. Yeah, Jurassic, you got, yeah, Jurassic World. World's in there. Yeah. I think Ready Player One's in there somewhere as right. well. Yeah. So there's a lot of big films coming out. So it may be a good idea to get in front of some of these and just say, look, we have a very niche crowd. Yeah. We, we don't need to capture the audiences being a rated R that all these other films are going to want. True. So let's get out there and maybe we'll run through and be the alternative when all these other films are out there. That's right. So overall, I'm pretty excited for this great trailer. Yeah. It does what it needs to do. It, it really introduced us to cable for the first time. We've seen some images. Didn't get much of him in that Bob Ross thing or anything like that, no. <laughs> but uh, he looks awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to cable. This is a character that I'm familiar with through the series of AVX in the comics. Yeah. So this is in 2011. Haven't read much of him recently. He spent some time in X-Force and all that. That's right. But he's, he's a character I'm, I'm super thrilled to see. And Josh Brolin looks awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. And I think it's the same director that did the first John Wick and Atomic Blonde. Yes. And I, I, I liked John Wick. I didn't see Atomic Blonde. So don't know where he's going to sit for me here yet. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they continue that same dynamic and really put to screen something that's similar but different. That's what yes. we've been saying since since that Deadpool film is they can't do a repeat. And oftentimes you do see this with sequels, but they can't do a repeat of Deadpool 1. No. They have to evolve the idea and that real niche genre that they captured within Deadpool and do something slightly different. And Cable, the insertion of Domino right. and a lot more characters may just do that. So overall, super pumped to see yeah, this. I'm on it. Yeah. Now, a film that we're all excited to see, and it drops this coming Thursday evening, Friday being the official opening day. And like we do before every big Marvel or DC Star Wars film, we like to walk through a bit of a prelude and give maybe just a a little information and discuss a little bit about what we think this movie is going to be. Now, I will say spoilers. We have not seen the film. We don't watch a ton of the trailers. I feel that they've marketed this really interestingly because... They've let the hype behind it carry a lot of the marketing. Yeah. And a lot of the trailers that I've seen are very similar trailers. They're not showing us everything, which I really like. But 
we're going to walk through some of the comic book appearances of Black Panther and some of the key players and locations that we're probably going to see in the film, just to give you guys that little bit of a leg up walking into this film so that you're able to watch it unfold and not have to think about, now what is the heart-shaped herb? And why is T'Challa so powerful that he can go hand-to-hand with Captain America? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is is just being called an absolute phenomenon it has got rave reviews like we said at the top it's becoming already a very important cultural film and it's changing the genre it's changing comic book films again so we saw a big step last year with wonder woman this is the next big step for the genre itself now if you look at black panther going back to his origins his first comic book appearance was in fantastic four number 52 he's created by stanley and jack king kirby so two of the greats creating this character now black panther you know the same way that he is the first african-american to run or have a solo film he's also the first african-american mainstream superhero and he's done almost everything you look at his appearances in fantastic four he first joined the avengers in issue number 52 as well 1968 he was the first african-american to have his own solo comic book series called jungle action number six through 24 that aired or aired dropped in 1973 to 1976 so he's had a very rich history and going back almost to the beginning of marvel comics now myself i've read him quite a bit in his recent iterations i haven't gone back and done much of the older stuff but where are you sitting as far as your comic book reading with black panther um i tried going back to that run that came out it must have been just after secret wars yeah the world of wakanda stuff yeah well just before that one came out it was the one because he has like three different runs going on yeah at the time so this was just a standalone completely standalone takes place in wakanda um i checked out the first couple of runs that was kind of cool my only thing is with that run because I'm, I'm really big on like the pages and the art and i didn't like the way uh the costume was designed I'm, it sounds funny but i'm a fan of black panther when his ears stick up like yeah. batman as opposed to folding down like like a cat i guess but um all around you know i, I was really intrigued by one of uh marvel's first motion comics that they used to do yeah and i love that run it's actually based off of an actual comic and it was basically when he encounters Captain America and Captain America goes and takes on, I believe T'Challa's grandfather. And it was such a cool little, little run there. So I, I like that. I think you see the rhino pop up, you see claw, which we'll obviously see in this movie. And I, I really love the, uh, the take they did on him with the earth's mightiest heroes when he takes on the oh, Avengers. Yeah. Kind awesome of, that. yeah that, that, that is so cool. It's kind of like what they did with, I guess, uh, fantastic four, but they took it with the Avengers scale yes. instead which is great. It's unfortunate that we can't use the uh, Fantastic Four quite yet. But uh, all in all, man, he's such a cool character. I love, love, you know, him being with the Avengers is cool, but I like him with the Illuminati. I think that's the coolest thing ever. And my biggest um, kind of cool arc of his was actually in Secret War when he gets the gauntlet. I thought that was fantastic. He walks out with it. Walks out with it. And, and the art too. I mean, that that run was delayed for quite a bit just for the art alone and i totally understand why going you know now it's it's okay we can laugh at it but back then we were pretty frustrated i think it was it's seven took, issues and went to nine took forever took to forever come out. <laughs> <laughs> but um and then also his battle with namor you know that that payback where um namor took out wakanda 
when he joined the Phoenix Five, I think. Once yeah, he... that that goes all the way back to AVX. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because when he had the power of the Phoenix Force. Yes. And then when he gets the last laugh uh, on T'Challa's side, when he takes him out with Black Bolt, yeah. and it's oh, some some great panels going on, and um, Black Panther is just ruthless towards Namor and. All that kind of drama I love with the character. And he has such a history in this world of um, of the Marvel comics. So I can't wait to see this guy on the big screen. Uh, they just had a Time. He just made the Time cover magazine as well. Oh, I think this he? week. Yeah, yeah. Chadwick Boseman's on there. So Time is giving this movie high praise. So that, that goes to show something. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've experienced this character more in group stories. Yes. Whether it's with the Avengers or the Illuminati, within Hickman's run, he was quite quite prevalent in the new Avengers. Yeah. I've never done particularly too many solo Black Panther runs, and that's something I've been meaning to get into. But I, I have to agree with you. Him in the Illuminati is some of my favorite stuff. It's just the prowess he carries yes. within it. Like you're, He's standing shoulder to shoulder with characters like Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Professor X at one point, yeah, right? Captain right. America. Doctor Strange. And he yeah. still stands out amongst those characters, which I think goes to show how important and how great this character is. And the guys that have written him in the past and been able to develop his story over the last four or five decades, is it's it's really great to see that he's now getting the attention in the MCU films. And there's been some criticism in the past about them taking so long to get a character like this to screen. But you know what? I think I've said this in the past. I'm happy that they took their time, introduced him in Civil War, and is now giving him a proper solo film, something that is being praised, getting a guy like Ryan Coogler and getting a guy like Michael B. Jordan to stand opposite of him to give him a well-developed villain that that can actually oppose this character and at the same time elevate him. And you see that in the comic books with a lot of the characterization of Wakanda, of T'Challa, of the history of the whole Wakanda society. I think we're going to get a lot of that in that in this film, and I think they're going to pull a lot from the comic books. There's early origin stories, and what they've done more recently within the last, say, 15 years, and how they developed Wakanda, introduced his sister, introduced the idea of Necropolis and the king of, of, of the city of the dead. I think we're going to see a lot of elements built into this film. But I, I just think that, that Black Panther being the first African-American superhero to get that comic book run and also being the first to get a proper standalone film, I love that parallel. And I think it's extremely important, especially now that we're getting a character in a film like this yeah. that is so well-received. And I think it's, it's going to play a lot into what's going on in the world now. Yes. With the lack of diversity and, and everything going on in the States and all that. I think this is going to be an extremely important film for 2018, not just because it's Black Panther, but because of potentially some of the the elements that's going to explore within that and bring some of those to the forefront and get people talking about them within a comic book film, right? For sure. Pro- provide a forum, a bit more of a forum to express some of these ideas without yeah. doing it in a rash way, without doing it in a violent way, right? Right, right. And without being so on the nose too. Exactly. Right, of course. Yeah, no, um... It's funny going back to what you said because uh, we're, we're finally getting this character represented on the big screen. And I remember being a kid way back and, you know, going back to Wizard Comics. I always go back to that and people were always like, we're going to get uh, Morse Chestnut. Morse Chestnut's <laughs> going to be the next Black Panther. And we we're like, yeah, sure, 
sure, let's <laughs> let's let's do it. It's so cool that we we got <laughs> Chadwick Boseman to play this character. Yeah. He was great in Forty Two. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, he killed it as James Brown. Like this guy is so talented, and Forrest Whitaker is in there. Like the the whole cast for this movie is just phenomenal and uh yeah we we got michael b that's that's my boy we got him representing uh killmonger in this movie i hope he makes it out i really really do yeah um man it's it's gonna be a great film everything i've seen so far looks good the only thing i can maybe maybe nitpick at so far is in the trailers there's still a little bit of cg that i feel like could be a little cleaned up Mm -hmm. that that that's really all i got who knows maybe when we see the movie it does look better yeah i I, i'm pretty lenient on that kind of stuff anyways as long as it's not cyborg yes. worthy <laughs> it doesn't really bother me too much yeah yeah well you mentioned a few characters there and one thing that we're going to run down here is some of the key players that we're going to see in this film of course we're all familiar with t'challa black panther coming from the mcu coming from civil war yeah and his appearance there really well received chad Bozeman was awesome in that they gave him a really cool arc without having an origin story yet and so they're really playing on this idea of having an origin story that is also a sequel to Civil War. Yes. So I love how they're integrating all that. We're not going back and doing a prequel. Now, the interesting thing about Black Panther, the mantle of Black Panther, all in all, and I think we're going to see some of these elements in the film, is that it, it appears hereditary, correct? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's being passed down from T'Chaka to T'Challa. But one of the things that can can be done within Wakandan society is actually challenge that by any citizen of Wakanda. And I think we saw some of that in the trailers with Michael B coming yes. back and potentially challenging. And there's also this character, Manape, who plays, he's one of the, um, I think, the, the mountain tribes. And being a very tribal government and tribal society, I think we're going to see a lot of this play in the film, this challenging for the throne of Wakanda. And I think that's going to be one of the main motivations behind Michael B. Jordan's Eric Killmonger, as well as, I can't remember the guy's name here that's playing uh, Manape, Winston Duke. Is that the one from Get Out? I believe so. He's okay. a really big guy. You see him oh, in the okay. trailer, he's kind of holding up a, a guy. Is it? Oh. Because there's this, his, I can't remember, his, he has a friend in here as well. Okay. It's like the head of, I think, the, the border guards or something. Okay. Um, but I think overall, we're going to see a lot of the elements of Wakanda kind of play out throughout this film. And one, that that whole tribal society within kind of the context of this technologically advanced uh, Wakandan nation is going to be a really cool juxtaposition of two very different elements and two very different types of potential storytelling mixed together to form this amalgamation of Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's going to be cool because, I mean, coming off the heels of Civil War... T'Challa was already granted basically the title of Black Panther once his dad yep. passed. So I think it's going to be interesting when he comes back to his homeland that, you know, we're going to have Michael B over here challenging him maybe right off the bat being like, hey, man, I'm taking that from you right off the bat. You, you don't deserve it. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, Wakanda is going to be so cool because, <sighs> you know, reading comics for a while there, it's always been like Gotham has been its own cool thing. They've always want to kind of see but never really live in and then there's been metropolis and then there's wakanda like the three most like made up kind of places to live but i feel like they're so fascinating wakanda really stands on its own being so advanced in technology it's the most advanced place in the world and i just can't wait to see what they do with it especially coming off of civil war again when we see at the very end it looked pretty cool with the big uh like panther kind of um statue of whatnot going on so ah man it's just it's gonna be fantastic yeah, and in, in Wakanda itself, we're talking about key players. It has to be a character in this film. Oh, yeah, film. definitely. It's been made into a character in the comic books and it has to play that similar role in this film. Now, whether that's just through 
it's, it's pure ambiance or kind of the deeper ties to kind of this this idea of of a tribal government and and how it plays out as far as being this isolated country that's most technologically advanced society on the planet and how they meld those together but it really has to to show in it itself as being a character yes similar to the way that the falcon plays a character within solo and within the star wars universe wakana has to play a very similar role and so they have to be able to build that up throughout the, the entirety of this film and it's some of it's going to come down to the overall characterization of people we're seeing in this. So you're, you're getting elements of everything from the Dora Milaje, which are the, the, the royal guards of, of the king. And so these are they're women, too, as well, which yeah. is really cool. So it's a huge twist on what we're used to seeing. And um, Aoki, something like that. So she's the leader of the Dora Milaje. She's kind of that, the main guard. She's um, the actress from Walking Dead. That's right, yeah. She plays Michonne. Um, absolutely incredible actress. Really looking forward to seeing her. And we saw some of the Dora Milaje in Civil War as well. Yeah. So it's going to be a cool element. We've got uh, Shuri, his yeah. sister. This She's somewhere between, I think, 16 and 21-ish. I'm not sure yeah. how old she's going to be in but this like a film. genius. Exactly. A yeah. genius level. She's the one that designed the Black Panther suit. Yes. We see them in the trailer. They seem to have a really great relationship. I love the handshake. Yeah, oh, that's great. Right, <laughs> awesome. funky with the music too, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. And even in, in the comics, she became Black Panther at one point. That's right. That's right. And I'm curious. I'm willing to put money on it almost that because, you know, she's pretty much Tony Stark. I won't be surprised if she designs Tony's new armor. At least has something to do with it because Black Panther's armor, I believe we've seen in the trailer, it works kind of extremist-like. Yes. And we see in the latest trailer, Infinity War, Iron Man's suit works the same way. So I won't be surprised if she kind of tinkers with it too. Kind of have like a kind of like a cool Riri Williams moment where she kind of shows up Tony Stark oh, by awesome. creating the armor a little bit. So that'd be neat to see. Yeah, yeah and I think she designs uh, Winter Soldier's new arm as well. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, we seen yeah. from the Infinity War shows that he's got a new arm. That's right. And we know that's where he was. <laughs> yes, when he yes. finished off yeah. there. <laughs> now, one of the other characters we got in here is Nakia. So this is played by Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, this is a a character. I believe she was part of at least some sort of intelligence gathering at some point, and she was or is the former lover of T'Challa. Okay, so the potential to become the queen at some point. In All time. right, and. I hope what they do with this character, I hope it's not just a love interest. Yes. I want to see her get in on the action as well. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm really thinking with Lupita Nyong'o in there, she's got some experience, she's a great actress. Yeah. I hope she gets into the mix of things. I hope so too. Please don't give us another Nellie Portman experience. No. <laughs> I, I hope not. And, and you know, and you just never know because Nellie Portman, again, she's an extremely great actress, but hey, uh, you can only work with the script yes, so much. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I hope she gets right in on the action too. Um, maybe down the road, we'll finally get that, uh, that storm romance with T'Challa down the road. Oh, I'm, I'm pushing sick. for it, <laughs> pushing for it because, um, we have Angela Bassett playing the mom who I was always voting for her to be storm way back in the day, but that's okay. I, I get another great presence in this, in this role. Um, I can't wait to see what she delivers cause she's going to be such a strong, like mother figure. I can just see it already. Yeah. And she's yeah. coming off now, no longer being the queen because of the death of Chaka. Yeah. Her becoming some sort of Royal advisor potentially. Right. But the interesting thing that i didn't quite realize until i did a little bit more digging so her name is ramonda in this film now i know from the comic books that she's actually t'challa's stepmother oh okay. because his mother died and i don't know if they're going to tweak this in the film or not mm -hmm. because his mother died quite early on and so it's gonna be interesting to see how they play this character if it's a stepmother how that changes that dynamic between t'challa and his stepmother or not yeah. angela bass's character 
and how they evolve that dynamic. Because that's right. another great two characters that can really play off each other. Yeah. So you've got so many strong actresses in here to play against Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa. Yeah. So I'm hoping that everyone gets just enough screen time that we can appreciate the characterization that they're going to bring to this film. Because the dynamic is going to be different between all of them. You're going to have this mother-son dynamic. You're going to have brother-sister, potential former lover. And you're going to have almost this kind of military respect between Aoki and T'Challa as well. Right. On a much higher level of respect when it comes to, to fighting and skills and all that. That's right. So they have very strong actresses here and they have to utilize them correctly. That's right. And I wonder if we'll even see some kind of brotherly, brotherly rivalry between uh, Killmonger and Chadwick Boseman maybe at one point. Maybe at one point they were on good terms and then it just went sour later on. Yeah, I don't know. So. I wonder, yeah, I really hope they do a little bit more with that because I want a Loki Thor vibe. Yeah, pretty much. Very much so. And we know from the comics, I'm not sure how they're going to approach this, it kind of looks like they're going down this path a bit, that Killmonger was an exiled son. Mm-hmm. I believe his father and Ulysses Claw tried to overthrow T'Chaka at some Way point. Back. okay. And he was, their whole family was exiled out. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Michael B's coming back to challenge for that, that very throne in the same way, potentially being raised somewhere else outside of Wakanda. And his suit, Eric Killmonger. Yeah. So it looks like some sort of jaguar, I would say, right? Yeah. Which is interesting because at one point in time, Stanley and company tried to change Black Panther to Black Jaguar to avoid the association <laughs> in the 70s with right. the Black Panther group, right? Right. Didn't last. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see if they if they kind of tug on that and give a little bit of nod and say, okay, Killmonger is actually Black Jaguar or something right. like that, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see actually if they do pull on that. Because I'm, I'm not sure from the comic books or not, but it seems... Or I'm, I'm curious as to where he got the suit from. Because I was always under the impression that only a Black Panther could have one of those suits. Oh. And you're talking about for Killmonger. Yeah, because he clearly has a suit yeah. right, of some sort. We see it in the action figures and we see it in the trailers. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering where that suit came from. Yeah. Because it, it peels on him like an extremist, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it just has like, that effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's so awesome. I wonder. Because it, it seems kind of like... um. Chadwick Boseman has a bunch of different suits, kind of like a Batman kind yeah. of thing going on there too, which is kind of cool because this suit that we've seen mostly in the trailer is different than the one in Civil War. Yeah, and yeah. We, we know he's getting the, the purple vibranium type yeah. suit thing going on too as well. Yeah, and, and I, I really love how um, agile he is in that costume. Civil War, right off the bat, when I see him running like the T-1000, yeah. but there's no noise. He's just quiet the whole time when he jumps from building to building. And he leaps, you don't hear a thing. I just thought the attention to detail was so cool and just it kept him very mobile and agile. I just I just love it. So I can't wait to see more of that, how swift he is yeah. in the movie. Yeah, know? the suits are gonna be awesome. Yeah. And one of the last few characters here that we are getting, you mentioned Forrest Whitaker, he's yeah. also in this. He looks to be playing like a very more religious type of tribesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he goes by the name of uh, Zuri. Okay. And he seems to be from from some of the reading I've done the keeper of the heart-shaped herb now this is a very special herb that you only get in wakanda and i'm wondering if they're actually going to go down this path or not but the heart-shaped herb simply enough is what gives t'challa a bit of that almost super soldier serum right so that allows them to have that endurance potentially you know more like a captain america type healing jumping and all that now he has like the intelligence and all the skills that go with that but he seems to be enhanced. Yes. And this herb in the comic books, at least, is why he's enhanced. 
And some of it has to do with the progression of becoming the king, that you have to go out and find this, go on your own type of journey, kind of climbing to the top of a mountain to get similar to what we saw in Batman Begins, right? That's right. You go up and get the particular flower from wherever. This may be something that we see in the film as well, and this mm-hmm. is why they're doing it. And you may hear the term heart-shaped herb as, herb oh, as well. Oh, okay. Cool. So that's pretty cool. That should be an interesting uh, sequence to see, actually. Yeah, yeah. and the, the big thing with the herb, and the reason <laughs> it's actually a radioactive herb, ah. it has to do with the vibranium, the yeah. radiation from the vibranium. Because that's another thing that's going to play a part in this, I think, at least, is is vibranium, right? Oh, yeah. We've seen it play a part in Captain America. We had it referenced, of course. Age of Ultron with Ulysses Claw was mm-hmm. a big part of it. Ultron eventually getting some sort of vibranium kind of armor or, yeah. or form that he got there towards the end. And it's a big part of Wakanda. They, it's a meteor that crashed in Wakanda. It's it's a metal that has maybe more slightly ambiguous elements to it in the sense that they're probably going to use it and leverage it a bit more as the plot requires if it's going to be a, a component within this film. But overall, it just basically absorbs vibrations and kinetic energy, has the ability potentially to do more as we've seen in the, the with the suits and that it's bulletproof so yeah. it plays a lot like adamantium almost yeah i, I can't remember in the first avenger uh Captain america did they mention that a shield is made out of vibranium did they mention it yes the way back? they, they did. say vibranium and they say that's the only bit on earth that we have right yeah so they seemingly got it from somewhere and yeah. then they made a shield out of it see and, and that's so cool and again going back to kevin feige like and, and everyone over there like the attention and detail that they've had this thought the whole time because yeah. i remember hearing like vibranium way early back and it must have been that film and i just the first thing i think of is, is black panther when yeah. you hear vibranium you think of black panther so they had those seeds planted from way back then in 2011 what, 2011 like that's crazy and now we're finally getting them on the big screen so it's so cool yeah <laughs> now outside of Wakanda, one other location that we may see. Now there's a, there's an interesting scene in one of the in one of the trailers there. We see T'Challa walking through, and you see almost that purple hue to the yeah, sky, and you right. see a panther up in a tree. On the tree, yeah. I think that might be Necropolis. Okay, is my guess the city of the dead. So this is a place. That eventually in the comic books, Black Panther does become the king of as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a place that it seems that you can go and commune with the past Black Panthers. We see this as, as a prominent thing within the comic books as well. Is that he can go and talk to his father. He can talk to his grandparents and all the Black Panthers that came before him. So I right. think that might be an ability that we do see within the film. Now, whether it's associated with a trip from this herb yeah. or with it's something to do with a bit more of a mystical element of Wakanda. I'm not sure how they're exactly going to approach it. Right. But it seems like he's going to have some ability to talk to previous Black Panthers, maybe his father again, through Necropolis potentially. It's kind of like a little bit of like a, a Force Ghost Lounge. Exactly. Right? <laughs> he can go to and just... Force Ghost Lounge. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the last character we'll talk about here before we kind of rattle off a few questions is Ulysses Claude, played by Andy Serkis, first introduced in Age of Ultron. This guy goes way back in the comic books to almost the origin story of Black Panther. He's become almost that nemesis. It's on the same level as, say, a Joker or something like that for Batman or something along the lines of a Mandarin and Tony Stark, Iron Man. So Claw here. How do you think they're going to use him in this film? Is he going to be a a villain or the the main villain or is he going to be kind of the tack on to michael b how do you think you're going to approach all this yeah i think he might be kind of you know pulling the strings a little bit with michael b's character 
I would say a little bit. Because um, they planted him way back in, yeah, Age of Ultron. Yeah. So that'll be neat to see. He'll definitely have the full-out developed claw. I think in the trailer we saw him... Some shooting something. Use, yeah, shooting something, right? And obviously he got his arm taken off in Age of Ultron. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's definitely going to be something going on there between them. I think it will be a pretty big force to be reckoned with. I mean, it's Andy Serkis. He's great. Like, a lot of times people mistake him just being only a, um, a CGI specialist, you know, acting these these roles. But he's, he's a great actor through and through so i can't wait to see him on the big screen here yeah do you think he's gonna get a full comic accurate claw <laughs> i think so i yeah. think they might actually go that route i think so because they they went out of their way to make sure they cut it off they cut it off in age, in age ultron, ultron. Yeah. so uh <laughs> i i think they might do it they might do it they won't go full out like bucky's arm obviously but no. they'll they'll take a, a good chunk of his forearm and... yeah he's had a goofy looking arm sometimes like, yeah yeah <laughs> uh, let's see what they do with that <laughs> all right man <laughs> We usually do a few questions here to try to almost predict a few things, and we've kind of sometimes associated with a bit of a bet and all that. Yeah. But we're just gonna ask a few few questions here and see how close we can get. Again, spoilers, but not really spoilers. Not really going into too much depth here. First question we always always like to ask: What is your opening weekend prediction for Black Panther? Domestic box office. Domestic. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's uh. I think uh, pre-ticket sales are pretty high already. I think they estimated like 140 or 150 or something yeah. crazy. So I'll probably go with 139. 139. Yeah, okay. I'll lock in there. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say 148. Ooh. I think yeah. this is going to have some serious legs this weekend. Probably. And if you've got that hype behind it already and you get good word of mouth coming out from the common moviegoer, you could really see this escalate to almost. You're, you're talking when you're getting up that high. You're talking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. You're talking Civil War. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like which that's, is scary for an origin film, like your yes. first opener. I don't think there's anything. The highest origin I think is still, not including team ups, is still Iron Man One at ninety eight. Wow. Because Civil War, or sorry, um, what's that uh, Spider Man though? Oh yeah, you I might guess. be right. It was 117, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the homecoming may yeah, may may might, hold might, that title might. because, yeah, I'm trying to think. Ant Man, no Doc Strange, no. What about no. the first Guardians? First Guardians did I think about 93. Oh, okay. I want to say something yeah. something just in the low 90s. Yeah. So yeah, it does yeah. have potential to take yeah. that number one spot, and if it's as good as it is, is it, as people are saying it is. Yeah. Why not? It, it probably will deserve. Yeah. Crazy. All right, we talked about Black Panther suits. Yes. How many suits do you think T'Challa is going to wear in the film? Not not that we're going to see, but oh, how many is he going to wear? How many is he going to wear? I'm going to go with three. Damn, that was mine. <laughs> so I will say three and a half. No. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say four. Yeah, three, three and a half or he'll do the Kylo Ren. I'll say three new ones. Yeah. And one, the original one that he wore in Civil War. Yeah, yeah. See, I think he's for sure going to wear that one. And then the one that we've seen throughout the whole film. And then he might have some kind of prototype or something another yeah. in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Will Michael B. Jordan's Eric Killmonger make it out of this film? Yes. Yeah? You think so? Yes, he has to. I mean, you can't you can't cast a guy like Michael B. And then and then one take him out. Yeah, one and done. No way. I think he's even gone on to say, you know, he wants to uh, make it up to everyone out there from Fantastic Four, even though he's not even really to blame. But he's he's gonna be in there. He's gonna be there for a while. Awesome. Yeah. 
Okay. I, I, I think you you're got? right there too. Yeah. I think that he will make it out. Nice. If they're smart about this, yes. they're going to go down a low-key Thor vibe. Yes. They have to. They have to with this. Definitely. All right. We've, we've mentioned this in the past, but now we need to, to lock it in. Will we see an Infinity Stone in Wakanda? Because it's the soul that remains, right? That we're missing, yeah. yeah. Will we see it in this film? Um. Yeah, yeah, we have to. Because, I mean, Infinity War comes up after this. <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no other opportunity for it. I'd, I'd say you have to see it in this film. It just makes the most sense, too. Yeah. Will yeah. have any relation to Vibranium having an extraterrestrial origin or anything like that, do you think? Yeah, that's a good poll. Yeah, I'll go with that. What do you think? I think we're definitely going to see Infinity Stone. Yeah. I think that's why Wakanda is so heavily featured in the Infinity War trailer. Exactly. Is that they've shown up to take the stone, era yes. A stone. But is it related to Vibranium, extraterrestrial origin? I think it's got to have something like that. Like yeah. They have to have an explanation as to why it's there. And the Infinity Stone, being the Soul Stone, it's it may be another thing that they use to go to Necropolis type thing. Maybe the souls of something are kept in there. But I wonder if they're also going to use it as an explanation as to why they're so advanced. Right. They've been using some sort of energy or something from an infinity stone to progress their technology to being so much more advanced than the outside world without having any sort of influence from anywhere, right? Right. Like the modern technology, a lot of it was derived out of World War II and all that, right? Yeah. And if they weren't part of anything, if they were very isolated, they need a leg up for some reason. Infinity stone may be a way they get around that. Do you know what it was in the comics? It's just always just been the vibranium. Right, yeah. That's why. Okay. And they, I think there's something to do with a lot of the radiation. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's mostly been about the vibranium, I believe. Right, okay, cool. Um, last question here before, yeah. before we wrap this up. Will we get a cameo of Bucky, Cap, or another Avenger? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the film or in the stinger? Oh, that's, uh, oh, that's a, mm. <laughs> you know what? Well, I was going to say we're going to see Cap, but now that you put it that way, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear a reference of Cap somehow throughout the film, whether it's a shield, wherever the case is. And then at the end of the movie, we see Cap appear. I just think for me, it kind of makes sense. Like you had um, Spider-Man and Black Panther introduced in Civil War and Spider-Man was Team Iron Man. And well, actually, I guess Black Panther was Team Iron Man too, but then he kind of went to Cap. Yeah. So you saw Iron Man kind of, you know, wing it with Spidey, and then you'd see Cap wing it with Black Panther. So I'm going to go with Cap in this film. Plus, it just makes sense because he's in Wakanda. Yeah. He, he can't be in the States. No. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I definitely think there's going to be a cameo. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a direct cameo from Bucky. In the film. In the, well, that's hard. Because you can the, see him in the background. At the, the end, at the end of the film, when they're done telling the story, yeah. we'll see Black Panther. Or Black Panther, of course. <laughs> we'll see Bucky, and there'll be definitely a direct reference to uh, Shuri making his arm. Okay. And I also think there's going to be an indirect Captain America reference with regards to the shield. Her making the shield, or at least us seeing it, or someone having it on their wrist and right. seeing it pop out. Yeah, demonstrating it almost. Because to me, they have gone out of their way to show the Captain America shield in Black Panther yeah. or in the Infinity War trailers. We had it in the legend. They were going to see that legend probably in a couple days. Yeah. They had it in that trailer. There's no real reason why they had to have that scene other than it was really cool. Yeah. But now if you see in the stinger, her creating that 
and you link that up to Infinity War, it Boom. just provides more of a subtle connection to that without outright having Chris Evans appear in the film. Right. So that's my prediction. Bucky in the film towards the end. Yeah. In no way related to the story, but just linking it to Infinity War and the Stingers, her creating Captain America's new shield. Like it. Like it. So there's no chance we'll see a one last more Thanos appearance? I don't scene? think so. No. No. Because if anything, there would have been Guardians. Hey. Yeah, or Thor Ragnarok. Or Thor, yeah. Well, we kind of get his, we get his, his ship, I guess. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I know I don't think so. Yeah. I think it it would be the ties. The key ties would be the the Infinity Stone mm-hmm. and then Bucky and an indirect reference to Cap. That's my right. prediction there. Cool. So big things. Liking man. it, liking it. We see it soon. I guess when this movie comes out or when this podcast debuts, we'll be in the theater pretty soon. Right after. Yes, we will. Yeah. <laughs> really looking forward to it. Cannot wait. Yeah. I love talking about these preludes and getting into Black Panther and all that. And we really hope you guys get out there and see this. I think it's going to be a real film that is going to be, it's really warranted to go out and see this in, in theaters. So if you skip the last couple of Marvel movies, waiting for them to come out on Blue Air or whatever, Thor Ragnarok and that, I'd highly recommend going to see that. But I think this is going to be a really important film to see, not only for its significance within the genre, but also for tying directly into Infinity War, which we're going to see in a short few months. Yeah. So overall, this thing's looking awesome. Cannot wait to see it. We're going to be sitting down and reviewing it next week, talking all things Black Panther. Cannot wait to get into that. Sanjay's going to be back at the table, and we're going to be walking through this movie in a great amount of detail as it's part of our overall MCU retrospective series as we're going back and revisiting films. We're also slotting in these weekend of release reviews as well into this. So you'll see that debut next Thursday. Awesome. Yeah. And if you guys would like to be a part of the show, throw your questions towards us about Black Panther. You can always email us at thenerdrm at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook or YouTube pages. You can grab us at thenerdroom.net. Just click on contacts. You can send us an email. And you can always hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. I'd like to acknowledge two guys before we sign off here. One being Steve Kirk from the San Diego Sabres radio podcast. He did send us a question in that was very Sanjay-centric. So we left that until next week. As well as Grabs Granite was back at it again. But again, it, it really requires Sanjay to be at the table. So we're saving that question for when he's back at the table. So we do appreciate you guys setting in those questions, but sometimes we like to leave them so we have kind of the, the full mix of guys here to discuss and run through those and give them a really worthy round at the table here from all three of us. So thank you guys for sending them in and look out for next week. We may try to hit them off towards the end of the episode after we review Black Panther next week. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be crazy. You know, we're we're buckled in. This is, I guess, the launch of superhero films for 2018. Like, this is the kickoff. It's going to be crazy going on forward here. Yeah, Yeah. cannot wait. So until then, guys, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabres. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.